Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Welcome back into another edition, brand new spanking edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, Sports Illustrated Panthers beat writer, Skylar Callahan. And uh, Skylar, we were just joking off the mic that um, victory Mondays are always awesome, but defeat Mondays are the worst. And we're dealing with our uh, our second defeat Monday in a row. Uh, Panthers come out hot first three games of the year, go 3-0, and and now they've dropped their last two. Uh, first of all, Skylar, what's up, man? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Hope you are. It's uh, it's a new week, and and thank goodness. I mean, you know, like they say in baseball, you get to play the game every day. Well, it's not the same in football, but at least you get to turn the page and and start pre- preparation for a new week. And that's why you get to play 17 of these things. So you got to be able to move on. It's a long season, ladies and gentlemen, and I feel like uh, Panther fans. I, I did I do what I usually do on Sunday after a game. I went on social media and poked around, but I actually tried to not <laughs> comment. I just wanted to see everyone's reaction, engage where everybody was. A lot of it was putting a lot of blame on Sam Darnold, uh, quarterback for the Panthers. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, before we go through our three takeaways like we do each week of uh, the previous game, we'll get you ready for Panthers versus Vikings this uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. on Fox. Uh, first, a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. They are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. The Panthers losers on Sunday, 21 to 18 at home to the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia came into the game one and three overall in the season. Carolina came in three and one after uh, trying to fight back against Dallas the week prior on the road. Still no Christian McCaffrey. It felt like they were kind of playing with the idea of playing them on a Sunday and then at the last minute decided to hold him as a precaution, which I did not mind. I thought we had enough to do this without him. But uh, as we will see, as we get into our three takeaways, maybe we did not. So uh, let's let's start off with you, Skylar. What was one of the takeaways? Because you were actually at uh, the vault at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday reporting for Sports Illustrated. What, what was one of your takeaways uh, from Sunday from the, the Panther loss of the Eagles? Yeah, I know everyone wants to play place uh, the blame on Sam Darnold, but I will say this. Philadelphia's defense was very, very active, and I thought they just put together a really good game plan. I mean, the way that they were really muddying up Sam Darnold's looks, I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, it felt like they had 20 guys in the secondary mm. because there was no passing lanes for him to go to. I mean, 
every way he went, they were they were covered. They really, from what I remember and from what I could see, it kind of looked like they played a lot of zone coverage. They really didn't bring more than a four man rush. They, I mean, they were just you know content with. You know, they knew that those guys on the inside, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, were going to probably win their battles more often than not, which allows them to drop more guys in coverage, and that's exactly what they did. And that when you have so many guys dropping back, it makes it really tough to find the open space in the field. And I think that's why we saw Sam Darner in the passing game struggle. But I just think you got to give credit to Philadelphia's defense. First and foremost, you know, I, we'll get to Sam Darnold here in a bit, but I think Philadelphia just played a really good defensive game, even in the first half when it looked like Carolina had a couple of opportunities to really bust that that game wide open. They come up with they came up with a couple of key stops and, and held Carolina to field goal attempts. They made them punt when they probably should have maybe went further down the field. So they were just doing a really good job. They played. Uh, they made Carolina play behind the sticks a couple of times. So. Tip of the hat to Philadelphia and, and the defensive performance they had. Yeah, I was really impressed with Philly's defense because coming in, they'd given up like 80-plus points in the previous two games. So I, I had really low expectations, but I kind of forgot they had guys like Fletcher Cox and some of these other guys on their front. And to me, it was almost like their strengths matched up really well against our weaknesses. They have a really good defensive front. Clearly, our offensive line is probably the biggest weakness of the entire team, uh, shuffling guys in and out. You got rookies out there and – uh, it, it just showed in the pass protection. Now, I will say one of my observations was that I was pleasantly surprised with the production of Chuba Hubbard um, and the offensive line in the run game. Like they were opening up some pretty big holes in the run game. And, and Hubbard was actually really he looked more confident in this game more than any other game I've seen him so far in a Panther uniform, knowing that he was going to get 20 plus uh, carries, knowing that he was going to be the guy. Uh, to, to help move that running game, 24 carries, 101 yards, so he clips the 100 yards. And I usually I feel pretty good whenever the Panthers run for 100 plus yards uh, on the day and hold the other team below that. Uh, I'm not, I can't remember how many they had total. I was trying to find the box score before we started because I know Jalen Hurts had a couple of RPO runs for touchdowns, but they were not too I long. I think they had under um, 80. Yeah, I think I think they had under 80 for the whole game. Yeah, they well no, they had 22 carries for 91 yards, so they 91. Uh, okay. so, 30 of that was Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, they it, it felt like Carolina's defense was under siege a little bit towards the back end of the game. But really looking at the stats, the, the defense played pretty much expectedly. Um, they had some opportunities where they could have put some points up themselves. Uh, that safety really sticks out in my mind because it, that ball bobbled around in the end zone like four different times through four different players' hands before – I uh, got knocked out of bounds. Even Jalen Hurts, like he was trying to land on it or, or do something with it when he should have just knocked it out and it just rolls out of bounds. That could have made enough cushion where uh, that could have really helped. And the block punt in the fourth quarter really is, to me, is what kind of lost the game. That's what really turned it around and gave the, ball, the, the Eagles the ball, like, you know, in the red zone pretty much. And uh, at that point, with the amount of time left on the uh, on the clock for the game and everything, it was just a game changer. So my first takeaway is kind of a combination. I was impressed with Chuba Hubbard and the run game uh, blocking. We'll get to the pass blocking in just a bit. And uh, the special teams, to me, is what lost this game, not Sam Darnold or anybody individually. Our special teams play not converting and getting that, that fumble in the end zone for a touchdown and getting the safety instead and uh, allowing a block punt, which set up basically the go-ahead score for the win. So that, that to me, was my, my, my first takeaway. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I feel like, in a way, the safety play 
I mean, yes, it was. It, it would have been a different situation had they got on top of it, got a, got a touchdown. It changes the score, changes kind of the, the entire rest of the game almost because you you instead of you know you get the ball back now you're kicking it back to them. So the way I look at the safety plays, you, you got the two points off the safety. They get the ball, they they get a field goal after. So really, they they got almost a touchdown out of that. I mean, they got five points. And if you add the two more points on to top of it for a full touchdown, I mean, it's still 20 points total. So I think even though that play was big, I, I think I agree the, the the block punt was probably the telling sign of the game, what changed everything because it gave them great field position. The offense was not moving the football at that point. And you knew as soon as that happened, it was danger time. Like it, there was yeah. just no way for Carolina – I mean, from at least what we had seen in that third and fourth quarter, they, they were going to go march down the field confidently and score. So um, my second takeaway, yeah, is, is Sam Darnold. And he, I, I'll admit it, you know, I'm, I'm going to say when he's bad, I'm going to say when he's good. He Here did not go. play his best football. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he did not play his best football. He threw three interceptions. I'll have to go back and watch the all 22 to see which of those three are on him and, and maybe some of it was protection. It felt like two um, of the so three I'm, were on him, where it just literally went yeah. straight to the Eagle defender. It, it almost felt like it was a miscommunication between him and the receiver each time. Yes. Th- that's what it looked like in the boxes as well. As it, it looked like they were just not in sync. But I'll, I'll be able to see that probably within the next 24 hours. Um, so, you, again, with Sandon, everybody just wants to jump ship on him. And we talked about it before the show. Like, I understand the frustration. I understand – you know, I, I understand it. Like, you lose a game, your quarterback looks bad, and you want everybody fired, and you want the whole team to – like, it, it's every fan base. It's not just the Panthers fan base, but you got to go back to before the season started. What did you expect Sam Donald to look like? Did you expect him to look like Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes out here? Did you look, expect him to look like Sam, a better version of Sam Donald? And so far, that's what we've got. We've got a better version of Sam Donald. He's had a couple of bad games. But he still looks better than what he did in New York. And I think when in the grand scheme of things, you got to think he's only just turned 24 years old. He's got a lot of football left in him. The first three years of his career, he had no coaching, no development. Really, this is year one for him, in my opinion. I mean, it really yeah, is. I agree. And, and you're coming into a new system, new coaching staff, new playmakers around you, new offensive line. There's so much new for this for Sam Darnold. That's why they picked up the fifth-year option. This is a two-year trial for Sam Darnold, not a one-year trial. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games just like everybody else. The one thing that I get irritated about is all these fans on Twitter and Facebook saying, well, Cam did it with the bad offensive line, so that means that Sam should should have to do it. Listen, hmm. just because Cam did it with a bad offensive line doesn't mean that the, that the Panthers should just, you know, that be content with having a bad offensive line. Like yeah. <laughs> in the future, they've got to make moves. They've got to address things. And and I know, you know, every team in the league is looking for a better offensive line, but you have to strive to be one of those teams that has the good offensive line. If you don't, you're going to put your, your quarterback in some vulnerable situations. And I think the offensive line, I'll, I'll just go and throw this out there too, which is going to be part of my next take. They are bad, man. And I don't care who you put in there in those five, I don't care if you switch Taylor from right to left or put Brady at right tackle. The The, the thing is, they're not going to be able to fix this until the offseason. That's just how it is. There's, there's no way to fix it. 
Yeah, there's there's not much you can do, you know, once you're already in season. And it, it, it really honestly, it makes me think back to how I don't want to say lackadaisical, but like they seem kind of I don't know the word to use. Matt Rule uh, in particular, he kind of would sidestep questions about the offensive line, but they had to know what they had. Like, I don't know if they just thought that they would kind of mold into this like unit that would be a scrappy bunch that. Uh, wasn't rated high, but they were going to outperform whatever people thought they were going to do, or if they knew exactly what they were going to get with it and were hoping that they could kind of mold the offense around it. Without CMC out there, it really – McCaffrey hides the warts of the offensive line. That's probably the best way to put it. And that was my – and that was actually my second take uh, was that this offense looks completely different when Christian McCaffrey's not in it. And that's safe to say that would be the same for any team that had Christian McCaffrey. You have him out there and he's not out there anymore. The offense is going to change. But this in particular, I don't want to say it's predictable, but it felt like the Eagles knew where Sam Darnold was going to go with the football, like most of the day, or they knew where the runs were going to go because they didn't have to worry about covering McCaffrey. And they, they showed something early on in the game on Fox. Greg Olson was breaking it down, former tight end for the Panthers where he was showing some sets when McCaffrey's in the game from a couple weeks prior where he didn't even touch the ball. And it's like he's going out uh, out of the backfield on a passing route, and you have to almost have two linebackers follow him. So in, in essence, you're basically playing defense a man short when McCaffrey's out there because you're having to keep two guys near him because one-on-one, it's over. Like, no matter who you have out there, one-on-one, yeah, it's 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 barbecue chicken. Like, you're not going to be able to cover him. So they were showing – it might have been the Houston game – before he got hurt, where he he ran out uh, like a curl route from the backfield, and Houston sends like two linebackers to chase him, and because of that, it leaves somebody, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Tommy Trimble, whoever, either completely uncovered or soft-covered by by someone that's giving them a little bit of cushion, and those Sam Darnold throws that we were seeing on Sunday where it's like you're, you're thinking, what is he doing? He was making the same throws two, three weeks ago. It's just those guys had more cushion because McCaffrey was out there, so and plus, he's going to give you 100, 100 yards on the ground just from touching the ball, it feels like. You give him 20 carries, he's going to give you 100 yards. It's just kind of what it is. So uh, th- this the offense is completely different without McCaffrey. It's the same exact thing Panther fans did around the same time of the year last year with Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Bridgewater started off hot, 70% completion rate. Oh, my gosh, we never had this before. No one's thinking about the fact that it feels like half of his passes are, are checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey, who's then running for 20 <laughs> yards after the catch. So it's going to make any quarterback look good. As soon as he lost McCaffrey, what happens? He starts losing football games. He starts losing the confidence of the offense. His his warts start to show, and the offensive line warts start to show. And that's what we're seeing right now over the past two games. Now, granted, Dallas is a really good football team. They're probably going to win the, the NFC. So there's no shame in having to go to Dallas – and lose to them. Now, this Eagle team, I'd put them in the same category as us. They're kind of up and down. They're a young team, got a young quarterback, new coaching staff. This was going to kind of be a toss-up type game anyway, and it hurts that we had opportunities to put this game away and did not, and I take that as a, a strike on us just being a young team still learning to win. I think a lot of Carolina Panther fans are, are spoiled, and I can't figure out why because <laughs> we haven't won anything. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know why this expectation is so high for uh, for the Panthers and Sam Darnold. We don't know what we have yet. We're only five weeks in, or five games in, and people are wanting to, you know, maybe we should rethink this long contract with Matt Rule or 
Sam Darnold didn't answer. And uh, oh man, like it's just all this stuff. And I'm like, it was one game. Like, it, just calm down. If, if Sam Darnold's doing this five weeks from now, like Teddy Bridgewater ended up doing, where he had the ball in his hands, two minutes to go, could win the game and failed like eight different times, eight spectacularly different times and ways last year. Then we got a conversation, but I'm with you. I don't want to entertain those, those talks about Sam Darnold not no. being the answer at quarterback at age 24. He's played five games for the Carolina Panthers and he's three and two, two of them without yeah. McCaffrey. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of will leads perfectly into my third point, And that is the, the fan base and their, and this has nothing to really do with the game, but the fan base's feelings towards Matt rule. And that is, they feel like this should be a Super Bowl contending team. They feel like this is a, a team that should win, you know, ninety percent of their games. But in all reality, you look at it; they have the the, the youngest roster in the league, or the second youngest roster in the league. They have a first year starting quarterback. Well, not a first year starting quarterback, but for the Panthers, he's a first year starting quarterback. You have an, an offensive coordinator that's only in the second year as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, second year NFL head coach. Like it's going to take time. But if you go back and look. At Matt Rule, everywhere he has been, it has been the same exact blueprint everywhere, whether it was at Temple, whether it was at Baylor, and I think you're going to start to see the same thing in Carolina. Year one is a mess, and that's just typically how it is for most coaches everywhere in their first year. Set year two, he takes a step. Do everyone's, you know, when the Panthers got off to that 3 0 start, I think even us included thought, yeah. man, this team could maybe win 10, 11 games. Yeah, <laughs> but now we're starting to see reality hit, and I think we're starting to see like, okay, maybe this team's not quite there yet, but the, the pieces are there. So maybe this team wins seven, eight games, maybe they win nine, but if they go it from from five and eleven to seven and ten or eight and nine, that's a step in the right direction, and that's what Matt Rule has shown in that year too is that he gets the team more competitive. They're about five hundred. Year three, that's when things start clicking. We have talked about this process numerous times on this show about how how this has always unfolded for Matt Rule. Year three is when everything starts to click, and you start to line everything up. Sam Darnold's second year in the offense next year. you got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You've got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson all being on the same team for three years now. You've got maybe some offensive line, new offensive linemen that are going to be able to help you out. That young defense is starting to gain more experience. The, the stars are going to align, but it has to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. When is the last time you've seen an NFL, uh, a team in the NFL that the youngest or second youngest roster in the NFL win the Super Bowl? Right. <laughs> what, yeah. What, let's be it honest. Usually doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, Maybe the 99 Rams, that was the first team that came to mind when you said that sentence, because I think they were fairly young because they had just flipped that team around uh, really that year uh, and then got Marshall Falk. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know how old Kansas City was when they won two years ago. Uh, it definitely wasn't Tampa last year. No. I mean, they were wheeling <laughs> out wheelchairs and winning that Super Bowl last year. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. And we kind of get away from that. And I think you're exactly right. That 3-0 start was probably the worst thing that could happen to Panther fans, not the team. For the team, it was the best thing because they could build some confidence off of it. But for the Panther fans, it made them, apparently, I never saw any of it, but I have other friends that aren't Panther fans that were kind of waiting for the Panthers to start losing games because apparently people were on their feeds 
basically bragging the Panthers going to the Super Bowl, they're winning the division, they're going to the playoffs when they were three and zero. And I'm just like, who was saying this? Like when we were three and zero, we just lost Christian McCaffrey that night. Like who in their right mind would? And we didn't know how long he was going to be out. So like, who in their right mind would be like that confident in a Carolina team that basically was still learning its coaching staff and players that they had brought in? to even suggest that they could make the Super Bowl or, or anything asinine to that effect. So I, I asked my friend, I'm like, who are you talking to? Because I haven't seen that anywhere <laughs> from a Panther fan I'm, all over my feed. It's everywhere. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Two weeks ago, we were defending ourselves on the show because people said we were crazy that if McCaffrey missed extended time, that he would that this team would kind of fall apart a little bit. Yes. Now, again, it's only been two weeks. He's probably going to return this week, but they're 0-2 without McCaffrey. If he does miss extended time, this team is going to lose games. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the, the reality of it. They're predictable without him. That's the thing I learned, really, too, watching them. Because I kind of knew what they were doing, watching the game Sunday. It, they turned into kind of a vanilla-type defense. I was so high on Joe Brady the first couple of weeks of the season. I think I mentioned it after week one on this show that I, one of my takeaways was Joe Brady's play calling that day, that I thought he did a really good job. Looking back on it, it was kind of more – Everything's covered downfield. Oh, CMC's right here in the flat. Let me just throw it to him five yards out, let him run it for 15 yards, and let's just do that 12 times during the game and see what happens. And it opens up everything else. Everything looks better when a top three player in the league is playing football for you. So uh, one of the take- my last takeaway was that I, it felt like the defense was giving up more than they actually were. I actually went back to go look at the box score just to see. Uh, Jalen Hurts was only – 22 for 37. He threw for 198 yards. Uh, didn't throw for a touchdown. Had an interception. Got sacked twice. Uh, they did their job against him. They held him underneath 100 yards rushing for the game as a team. Uh, under 200 yards receiving uh, for the for the the game. They forced two fumbles. Lost one of them. And I left the game thinking, man, were we any good on defense? Like, it didn't feel like we did our – because we didn't hold them at the end, but that wasn't really fair to the defense. They got put back out there having to defend like 15, 20 yards after that block punt. And really that changed the game. And it changed it in a time of the game where you couldn't really get back from it. I thought at the time, and I wrote it down, Shaq Thompson is to the defense what Christian McCaffrey is to the offense. And by that I mean the defense feels like it has a certain – swagger when Shaq is out there they still have swagger when he's not but when he's out there there's a certain level of confidence that was floating around this defense those first three weeks of the season it felt like you couldn't do anything on the defense uh the RPO actually worked against them uh, yesterday I thought Carolina got caught slipping a couple of times and I feel like if Shaq was out there he's seen it you know he's played against he practiced against it with Cam Newton for years so like he knows kind of how to play it and I feel like they would have had Shaq on that edge kind of controlling which way to go, whether to follow the runner or to go after the quarterback. There was a couple of times where Carolina had multiple guys following the runner into the hole, and Jalen had just an open avenue on the left-hand side to just run it in. I feel like that would have been different if Shaq was out there. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Shaq and when he might be back. Uh, have you heard anything status-wise, injury update on Shaq Thompson? Nothing yet. It's probably going to be, I, I, I would assume, maybe even another week or two. I'm not 100% sure. We'll probably get some more, uh, uh, I guess, a bit of a clarification on uh, Wednesday when we get the, our first injury report. We'll get to talk to Matt Rule again. But I would assume probably not this week, maybe not next week. I'm not sure. I, again, 
since they didn't place him on injured reserve, it's almost the same thing as the Christian McCaffrey injury. It, it seems like the team expects him back mm-hmm. within that three-game window. So if if not, then I think they would have put him on the injury, injured reserve list. So I think within the next week or so, we should see him back. Um, having said all that about the defense, I went to go look up the total defensive stats, which I usually do during the show every Monday, just to kind of see where Carolina is. Even though you know they had the game against Dallas, what I just said about uh, the Eagles, they didn't really get off yesterday. It was really kind of miscues and RN that led to them winning that game. Carolina's defense is still ranked second overall in the league in total yards allowed per game. Uh, they're only allowing 255 yards a game, um, which is incredible. They are, I think they're number one. And they are. They're number one in pass defense. Uh, they're in the top 10 rushing defense. And they are number three behind Buffalo and Denver uh, in points allowed per game. Buffalo wouldn't even allow Kansas City to score 21 points uh, on a Sunday night football, which is pretty amazing uh, when you think about that. Buffalo's uh, something. Something's brewing in Buffalo. Keep an eye on them for sure. But this Carolina Panther defense through five games, I think it's safe to say now that they're a pretty solid, legit unit. It's probably going to be floating near the top of the – defensive stats for the remainder of the year. So if that gives any Panther fans some sort of hope or like a, you know, a light in the distance that, you know, Hey, at least we've got this and it's probably not going to change. And you got some reinforcements coming back to this already. I'll call them elite. I called them elite last week, this elite defensive unit that the defense alone can win five or six games for Carolina from this point forward. Like in my opinion, if if they play knockout Panther defensive football, like we've seen, they can win a game by themselves. Uh, You know, uh, Darnold's going to be forced to be in a situation where he's going to have to go win a game for them. Um, and that's going to probably be soon. Uh, we saw Teddy in that, and that's why Teddy's not here, because he had multiple chances to do that and couldn't pull it off. We haven't really seen Sam in that situation yet. Hell, the, the Panthers didn't didn't trail in a game until Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. So a uh, little spoiled, but it all is not lost, Panther fans. We still have plenty of football in front of us. And uh, things are only going to get better because we've got people coming back. And I think this Panther team reverts back to something completely different when Shaq Thompson and, and Christian McCaffrey return. Yeah, 100%. And like we've we've kind of echoed throughout the, the most of the show is I think Panthers fans just have to be patient. And I, I understand it's frustrating to lose a game in which you were up 15-3 to three at one point and you had the lead in the fourth quarter. I get it. But at the end of the day, this team's going to lose some games it probably shouldn't have lost, and they're probably going to steal a couple games here and there. And that's just the reality of how this league works. I mean, you got to think, and we've said it too, the other teams, I mean, they're professionals too. They get paid a lot of money to win football games, and they're going to be out there and playing their best football also. So I think you have to be patient with Matt Rule. You have to be patient with Sam Darnold. We're five games into the Sam Donald era. We're a year and five games into the Matt Rule era. You've got to just let this thing play itself out because what happens in two years from now when this team is probably sitting at the top of the NFC South? I mean, like we said, you know, New Orleans is kind of in that that weird situation where they they may be good, they may not be good in the next two years. Atlanta doesn't seem like they're going to go anywhere. Tampa Bay is only going to get older. It seems like Carolina is that team of the future in this division. Wait it out. Be patient. This is building years, really. This is just setting the foundation for what's to come. So Mm -hmm. just be patient because in two years from now, when Matt Rule and Sam Donald are are leading the division, you're going to look back at your comments and be like, 
maybe I was a little too harsh. <laughs> maybe I was a little little too early on this stuff. Maybe, maybe I drank a little too much that Sunday when they when exactly. They <laughs> but hey, if I if, if two years from now, you know, the, the Panthers aren't going anywhere, feel free to come at me. But until then, ride it out. Let's see what happens. Let's stay off Matt Rule's back for a little bit and Sam Darnold's back. Yeah, I mean, literally, Matt Rule has been the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for. 19 games or so 20 games whatever that or 21 games a total so i mean let's kind of and, and he actually outperformed himself last year considering he couldn't really even talk to his players so let's yeah. uh let's uh let's give them a little bit of a, a rope here david tepper gave uh matt rule a seven-year contract for a reason i don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon and if anything carolina's outperforming where their expectations should be at this point of the season if someone told me we we're three and two five games in i would have took it in a second because we Absolutely. didn't know, we didn't know what we had. You know, we had no well, idea what someone, we had. If someone told you that they were three and two and traded for CJ Henderson, Henderson and Stephon yeah. Gilmore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things are going to get better. Yeah, things are going to be much improved and much better. Shout out to AJ Boye too, because he made a couple of plays yesterday, and he's oh, kind of yeah. the forgotten member of this new Legion of Boom 2.0 they're trying to build in Carolina. I can't wait until they've got all these pieces out there at one time to kind of figure it out because they're going to run. It feels like they run three minimum cornerbacks no matter what and then they all they, they'll shift over and have four uh i didn't recognize either of the safeties that were in there except for chin yesterday they had two guys that were playing safety i, I don't know who they are um but i would imagine that eventually they're going to swap one of those out for one of those corners and they'll then they'll be able to cover guys like uh like dallas that can send three top run, uh, wide receivers out into your secondary they can cover man to man which is what phil snow wants to do so um We'll see about that, but I don't want to stick on uh, a loss any longer because we've got the Minnesota Vikings coming into Bank of America Stadium in five days, uh, 1 p.m. kickoff this Sunday on Fox. What are your initial thoughts about this? Because I've never been a fan of Kirk Cousins, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he he basically is the same quarterback every time out. He's pretty, pretty accurate. He's going to pile up yards. Um, I don't know the status of Dalvin Cook, although I think they expect him to come back from injury, just like they probably expect Christian McCaffrey to come back from injury in this game, too. So it feels like it's going to be a matchup of two of the top running backs in the NFL if they're both going to play. Uh, I would give the edge to Carolina because they're at home. Uh, the Vikings kind of flying on the radar right now. Uh, but I think if Sam cannot turn the ball over and we control the clock, Carolina has a pretty good shot of winning this game, but I think it'll be close either way. Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. I think these two teams are kind of very evenly matched. And, you know, I hate to say because I've been right there with you. I, I don't – I've never been a huge advocate of Kirk Cousins, but, I mean, it's hard to, to hard to deny right now that the dude's pretty playing pretty dang well. I mean, yeah. he's, he's completing balls at 70% rate, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh you know, a thirteen almost fourteen hundred yards. So he's doing what he needs to do, and I think a large part of that is having two two really really good, I would say even elite receivers, in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So that's going to be a huge problem uh, for, for Carolina's defense. And again, you don't have Stephon Gilmore there, you don't have J.C. Horn there. You're going to be out there with likely A.J. Boya, who played well, maybe. Um, Maybe your Sean Melvin gets active again this week. You're going to have Dante Jackson as well. But this is going to be a tough t- challenge because I think this offense for Minnesota, very 
it looks eerily similar to the one in Dallas. I mean, they've got electric playmakers at the receiver spot. They have a couple of really good backs in Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, kind of like what you know Dallas had with, with Zeke and Pollard. So it's a very interesting offense that I think is going to pose a lot of problems for this defense. But on the flip side, this is a game for me where I think Sam Donald has to come out and shut people up. You know, I I don't know that he has to go out there and throw for 404 touchdowns, but come out, take care of the football, and don't look like you're trying to force things into certain, you know, areas of the field. Don't try to, you know, I I guess hold on to the ball too long. Just he's got to play within himself. This is a game where he, if he can come out, win, play really well, He's going to get the, some, well, I wouldn't say everybody's, but he's going to get the respect of some fans back and, and maybe the trust of some fans back. Four and two through six games of the year is a hell of a start. And I think oh, they can do it yeah, if I'll, they take I'll, care I'll. of the football. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's weird how, like, it almost feels like Carolina, this is a must-win game for Carolina because it's at home. Me and you have talked about the back end of Carolina's schedule, how it's so stacked with division games. They've got Tampa two of the last three weeks of the season. So, I mean, forget winning the division. If they just want to show some progress and get to the playoffs, they're probably going to have to win one of those games and hope that Tampa's sitting people uh, that last week of the season probably. Don't look past Atlanta. you got to see the Saints again. I think um, I need to go pull up their schedule. But they, the bottom eight games that they have are much harder than these first nine that they had and they had the opportunity to stack some wins here they're going to look back at that eagle game and be like man we should have won that game because it might end up costing them a playoff spot a wild card down the road if they're if they're good enough to continue on this vikings team i think they're in the same boat as the panthers i think that they are in a division that they know they're probably not going to win because they've got a uh you know a an old quarterback leading a team at the top of the division that is just playing out of his mind and aaron Rodgers and the packers so they're not i don't think they're going to catch them but the, but the Vikings have enough talent, like you said, on offense and defense to be a legit wild card team and to make some noise in the playoffs at that. Uh, th- with this game being in Charlotte and the potential of getting Christian McCaffrey back, uh, because the Panthers, again, are a completely different offense when McCaffrey's on the field. I think it changes everything the Vikings could do on defense. If he's not out there, the Vikings defense is even more dangerous to Carolina. If he is out there, I would expect the Panthers to not only win this football game, but to win it fairly comfortably by double digits uh, to me, I just feel like the Panthers defense will be the deciding factor in this game. And again, after five weeks, it's not really a fluke that you're only allowing, uh, you know, 17 points a game uh, through five games. And one of those games was an explosion by Dallas. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, which skewed you know, the numbers very big. Yeah, skewed it. It would be way less than this if that Dallas game had never happened. They'd probably still be number one in all categories by a wide margin if that Dallas game hadn't been played. So, uh, I feel I feel good about Carolina still, especially if McCaffrey's back. Um, I'm going to pick Carolina on this because they need it. I feel like if they don't win this game and and, and uh, Sam uh, Darnold has a bad game again, I, I don't know what the mentality of this fan base would be <laughs> at that point. Like literally, it would just be like heads exploding across the Carolinas. Uh, I've already seen the maybe we should bring Cam Newton back posts. Oh, <laughs> it's only been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, Cam's still sitting at home. We could have him for pennies on the dollar just to have him here. What could it hurt? And I'm like, everything. It would cost us everything. Exactly. <laughs> I love Cam to death, but that time has passed. We got to see what's going to go on with this uh, new batch of Panthers here. 
Um, any final words about uh, anything you saw Sunday or what you're expecting to see this upcoming Sunday, the team in general? I know you had a chance to uh, sit in on some of the press conferences on Sunday and then also on Monday. Uh, anything in particular that Matt Rule might have said in the press conference that stuck out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, I think really this team's kind of taken on the, you know, ha- how they played on Sunday, that that's not the, the, the style of football they want to play on. And, and that's not the way that they, or that's not the kind of football they want to put on display. Like this team is locked in. And, you know, we were just talking to Morgan Fox before I hopped on here. And he said he's already watched the game like three or four times. Like he's, he is zoned in. He is locked into what he needs to do to fix things. Uh, and it seems to be kind of the same thing throughout the entire locker room and, and the coaching staff. They are ready to get past this game and, and move on from, but take some of those things that they learned from, apply them to this week's game plan and, and put out a better performance. I think, you know, when you look at Minnesota's defense, I mean, they're really middle of the road. They're they're okay against the pass. They're okay against the run, but they're not great or bad at either. So, again, that's why I said this is a big kind of a statement, shut it, shut people up game for Sam Darnold. If he can go out there, play the well, I think they can get the job done. I, I just have this weird feeling, Desmond. Like, I have this weird feeling that by come next Monday, we're going to be sitting here on this podcast and – we're going to be talking about how everyone's just blowing up because they've lost three straight games and now it's all hell's broken loose because <laughs> they are now three and three and Sam Darnold needs to go. And, and all, yeah, I just had a weird, weird feeling where people are about to go off. And I, I feel like Minnesota is going to do something to just pull it out. But when you look at what has happened so far, I mean, I would, I would imagine Carolina is going to get this win, but, it's really hard to tell. How much does Christian McCaffrey give you? How much does Dalvin Cook give Minnesota? I mean, I think those are two really big storylines heading into Sunday. Yeah, I would agree with all of that completely. Um, I'm trying not to get sucked into the social media vortex of fire Matt Roll, David Tepper should sell the team, uh, Cam Newton for president. You know, like move, all the-, move the team to Montreal while we're at it. <laughs> it's just, it's so crazy to me. It's like this. This fan base is so emotional. I, I don't understand. And I used to be one. I can talk about them now because I'm not I'm not that person anymore. Uh, but back like 2015, I was intolerable on social media. When we were winning all those games, I had been, I'd spent 15 plus years hearing the ridicule of all my friends that were Washington football team fans or Cowboy fans or whoever. You guys are never going to do nothing. Cam Newton's a joke. Why is he dressed this way? Blah, blah, blah. And then for us to have that year where we were just steamrolling through people, about around about this time of the year or just finding ways to win. And the wins just kept stacking and stacking and stacking to the point where I just feel like I could just run off on anybody. <laughs> just talk to anybody. <laughs> a football team. He's like, well, my team's the Panthers and we're killing everybody right now. I feel like other fan bases have not forgot 2015 and how arrogant Panther fans became that year. Because I think a lot of my friends that saw stuff about this Panther team and Panther fans getting all, you know, crazy about what the expectations were. I think they're conflating, previous panther teams and units and years to this one because i have not really seen any panther fan say anything like that if anything they've been more worried about uh you know them using christian mccaffrey too much or uh them not being able to do anything with him hurt that's the main stuff i've seen that they need I've to wrap people say they need to trade mccaffrey yeah <laughs> I, just paid him <laughs> we just paid him last year like what are we doing i think his extension just kicked in i was just talking to a friend here as we're about to get out of here uh, he was saying, you know, I really wish they would share the the carries with uh, with Hubbard like 50 50 or something like that. And I was like, absolutely not. 
Like if you have Christian yeah. McCaffrey and he's 100% healthy, he's a top three, not top three running back. I think he's a top three player in the league when he's healthy. You run that dude in the ground. Like you already paid yeah. him money. This, he's in his peak right now. Why are you wrapping him in bubble tape? If he's 100% and your team is almost, the offense is almost undefendable. Like when you have him out there, why in the world would you take him out to bring in a rookie because you're afraid he might get hurt because you're using him too much? Why'd you pay him the money? You know, like it doesn't make any sense to me. Make it make sense. And how many running backs play well at this, or I guess say at this level that McCaffrey's played so far in his career in their thirties? Very, very right. few. Very, Dude, very few. Like the legends. So if, you, <laughs> if you are paying the man money now and he's playing at this rate, I don't care if you give him the ball 30, 35 times a game. Now, I understand Hell you no. want to, you kind of want to be conservative so that he doesn't get hurt that season. But it's in, under, in the same breath, it's like, this is what you're here for. You know Even what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, maybe I'm looking at it old school. I think maybe I'm around just too many uh, guys that played football like in the 80s and the 90s where you could still like murder people in the field and stuff. <laughs> but they're all kind of with me. I'm just like, the dude's a football player. Like he wants to be out there. He probably wanted to play Sunday. They just held him off for, you know, to protect himself. But if he knows his body better than anybody, let that kid play. He's already been paid. We paid him as if he was in his prime. And I'm seeing Panther fans say, no, don't run him 25 times, even though he's getting us six yards to carry. No, don't target him 10 times in the passing game, even though he's picking up chunks of yards and people can't defend other people when he's out there. They're not seeing the entire scheme that when he's out there, it's easier for uh, Sam Darnold. It's easier for the offensive line. It's easier for the for Robbie Anderson to get open and DJ Moore to go off. It's just easier for everybody when he's out there. So why in the world would you take him off the field? He's a three-down back. They, they don't really even exist anymore. There's like a handful of them in the league. And I just keep seeing this over and over again. And I feel like if he comes back this Sunday and, and lo and behold, something happens to him where he has to go out again, all of those trolls are going to come out and be like, I told you so. We shouldn't have been yeah. running. We shouldn't have been doing this. We should have waited. He shouldn't have even had the ball. What are they doing? They're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, man, you can't win for losing. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. McCaffrey might be back on Sunday. We'll find out here probably by Wednesday or Thursday. We'll probably have a pretty good idea if he's going to play or not. Um, let's uh, Let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Panthers taking on the Vikings 1 p.m. this Sunday on Fox. We'll be back with a recap of that, plus a preview of the next week's game uh, for the Panthers next Monday. For Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan, who you can follow on Twitter at Scal- uh, excuse me, Callahan underscore, or myself, Desmond Johnson, you can follow on Twitter at DEZ underscore 3505. This has been the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. We will see you next week. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.